Hello, you're here with Tess on the Doula Tribe podcast, where we talk to expat parents about their experiences with birth, postpartum and parenting overseas. Follow along and enjoy. I just want to acknowledge that our podcast is being held on the lands of the Yorta Yorta and Bangaran people. And I wish to acknowledge them as to the traditional owners. And I would also like to pay my respects to their elders past and present and Aboriginal elders of other communities who may be here today. Now, my first guest is Maria Delane. She's 37 years old from Milford County, Cork in Ireland. I was also born in Cork. She is a business, a new business called Reaching for Cam. And she has two children and lives in Melbourne, Victoria, for 11 years. She has a wealth of knowledge from the health sector and now is a conscious parenting coach. Welcome, Maria. Hi, Tess. How are you? Thanks a million for having me. No worries. It's great to have you here. So tell me a little bit about yourself. So I am a nurse for the last uh, God, since 2007, we won't do the maths. <laughs> um, and I've been in Melbourne since 2011, and I have specialized in women's health um, for the last 10 years. So I um, ended up, I, I first came to Australia, I think in 2008. And I was here for a year, met my Irish husband in the tea gardens for anyone that knows it. And uh, and then unfortunately, my mom became unwell. So I went home and he followed naturally because I'm unreal. <laughs> and, um, and then, yeah, we went home just in time for the financial crisis and stayed home to support my family. And then um, unfortunately, my mom passed away. Um, and so we came back to Melbourne in 2011 and, um, it's just been, it was the two of us until 2019 and then two became three pre pre pandemic and, uh, God, and then this time last year we had another little girl with a similar name to your own. So she's Tessa. (laughs) Best name ever. Yeah. So we have Isaac and Tessa and Isaac's three and a half and Tessa is was one last Saturday. So I think we have already discussed our kids are pretty much the same age. Pretty much. Yeah, it's very strange. Yeah. I love it. So um, um, that's awesome. You have two beautiful children. And when you worked as a nurse, can you tell mm-hmm. me a bit about that? Was that in women's health? So um, I... I so yeah up until 10 years ago I was a bit of a a jack of all trades I moved around different areas of nursing didn't really know what my niche was and then when my mom got sick it was actually ovarian cancer that she got and I guess I was a bit ignorant of it all I mean I knew oncology and whatnot but I really wanted to know more and when we came to Melbourne I applied for a job in the hospital I work in now and um it's um, the job was specializing in women's health including looking after gynae oncology and so I wanted to learn more about a disease that like hugely impacted my family um, and I took the job with the intention of staying for one year but honestly I I would say I found like my second family in Melbourne because it was such a beautiful place to work it was so lovely to work looking after women in all stages of their life mm. So we have women with cancer um, in early pregnancy, postpartum, you know, years postpartum with prolapse repair, um, you know, unfortunately, like looking after women who um, are in the grieving process, like may have had a miscarriage or a pregnancy loss and supporting them and um, honoring their, you know, their, their their health and their access to good healthcare because it's amazing here. And I know, yeah, you know, it's not perfect, but in my experience, having worked overseas, I, I loved working, supporting 
women. And I mean, most of the nursing team was women um, and a lot of the doctors um, were women as well. But like um, there, there is a lot of male members of the team, but I just loved it. I really, really just loved it. And I ended up in God, 2014, I think I became a manager there. Oh, wow. um, and so I am an assistant nurse unit manager and I really took me a long time to build my confidence but I really love that as well so I feel like I grew as a leader and then honestly um having had my son and in that hospital and then going back to work thereafter and yeah. I went back to work quite quickly after having my son because my husband was in university so he was the primary caregiver for my son wow what a so back- dad yeah he was great um well he is great he's still <laughs> it's so rare though for men to stay home isn't it like yeah well he was in university and so I um I like to go to daycare some days but in terms of like I was shift working so a lot of it fell to him yeah um but I went back when Isaac was four months old and so um yeah so that was that was challenging but again the fact that I loved my job and I went back to such a supportive environment and I really got to support other you know other women in any part of their journey in terms of their health I think it's made easier when you when you like what you do I think yeah it it just makes it easier and also I mean my husband was in university so you know we were aware of that when we chose to to plan our pregnancy yeah yeah so so you know that's the the challenge of being how how does he feel about it all um now looking back did he cherish those times with his son or does he think oh it's too hard or fair play women no no, I'm like that's the thing isn't it with being an expat over here we don't have family I mean I have a sister in Sydney but she came um just prior to the pandemic but um when you don't have family like it's just that like your family unit is literally there is no you know to a degree there is no village you have friends who will obviously help out and become your second family but no he was great I mean I you know and and it wasn't just that I was in the workplace I was working shift work Mm. so I'd be sometimes I'd be around in the evening other times I wouldn't and whatnot and I, I I managed to breastfeed my son until he was 13 months so I I pumped and we gave him the bottle like my husband gave him the bottle when I wasn't there and Amazing. you know I'm pretty proud of that um it's rare yeah and I and I, and I didn't expect to <laughs> I, I hadn't planned to mm. but I I was lucky I had no issues it, it it came easy enough and um you know because as I say I work in that area so we often get women in and they've had such difficulties and maybe not the access to the supports or maybe you know maybe a lot of uh, opinions or overshare from others or you know whatever the reason whatever the difficulty or the block or or maybe they just didn't want to you know um but for me I hadn't planned to breastfeed for that long I had set myself a goal of three months and it just I was so lucky I had such a I was in terms of in terms of my pregnancy and my delivery and my breastfeeding journey with Isaac, it was actually, I have such a positive feeling and emotion attached to it. Um, Prior to Isaac, um, I actually had um, emergency surgery for a ruptured ectopic. And so um, that was even though like it was a planned pregnancy I had like it was early in the pregnancy and so I wasn't actually aware I was I was pregnant but um that was even a funny story because when I was in the hospital and the doctor's like and so yeah your beta hcg is what and I was like all right well now I know what this pain is (laughs) so um it was interesting like it that also was so interesting for me to be on the other side of something that I looked after so many women experiencing so to be on the other side of the table can you tell me a bit more about it like how did that transpire how does it work like for people wondering because I don't even know so um an ectopic pregnancy is a pregnancy that's outside of outside of the uterus Mm. and so mine was in my right tube 
Um, and so luckily for me, I was back from Ireland. I think it was four days. Luckily, luckily I did not rupture on the plane. <laughs> but um, I basically was um, a Pilates <laughs> and started getting a pain. And then I came home and I don't know, like, I guess I thought I was being a hypochondriac. Um, because, you know, yeah. I... I genuinely had a tendency to be a bit of a hypochondriac pre-kids. Now I don't have time to be sick, but in the past I was. Um, but I rang a friend of mine after a few hours when, you know, simple analgesia didn't help. And she was just like, you know, you, you need to get it looked at. And I was like, okay. So I went to a different hospital than my own because <laughs> I didn't want to go to my ward. Fair enough. <laughs> I was just like, oh, it might be nothing. Um, and I went to another hospital locally to me and... Um, it presents in all different ways because for me anytime I moved I would have rated um, I would have rated the pain as severe but mm -hmm. if I sat still and didn't move I was relatively okay um, and so um, where was the pain like where was it in your hips oh, your back yes yeah, sorry so for me it was on um, on my right side um, kind of like I've already had my appendix out but if for anyone who has um, hasn't had their appendix it presents quite like that so for me it was on the right side and um, only that I'd had an appendix um, my appendix out people would have thought like that it was like a flank pain as well radiating to my back mm -hmm. um, but as I said if I didn't move it was it was pretty okay but in terms of in my experience other people the symptoms can really vary okay. um, um, for any women who get like pain in and around these areas um of of a conception age i would always suggest like Good. sudden onset of pain get get checked out mm -hmm. um but i was lucky enough um the i knew the registrar who came to see me i knew her and she advocated for a rush on the ultrasound because it was in the nighttime they called the sonographer in and the sonographer was like yeah you've got a fair bit of blood in your belly so and then I I knew what that meant and my poor husband was like what <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna go to surgery <laughs> and so, so what then happens you, if they didn't pick it up that quick like how does that look oh it's it, it's um so a, uh, so what that meant by the ultrasound showing that I had free fluid in my abdomen is what it essentially means and what that means is they knew it had ruptured so that's classed as a medical emergency. Oh, okay. So you need to have surgery. There is no other treatment for it. And so I don't want to overstep my scope on the podcast because really anything like you're unsure of has to be assessed by, um, by you know, you have to be assessed by a doctor. Medical, yeah. um, but in terms of the management for me in that instance, it had to be surgery because I the my tube had ruptured and the only way to stop the bleeding is to remove the tube. Oh, wow. So um, I went in and had what's called a salpingectomy. So they removed my right tube. Um, how and it was feel about that? Like how emotionally getting like a bit of your... I mean, I think, so that was in 2018. So I would have been 35. Yeah. Got to count my maths. Anyway, I was well, mid-30, we'll say. <laughs> um. And I guess, you know, you become more aware. No, I wasn't 35. I was 33. <laughs> I become, you know, as you're moving on into your 30s, you become aware of your fertility. I didn't think about it pre, I didn't even, I didn't even think about um, my, my fertility until we decided to, you know, we got married in um, 2017 and it wasn't until the following year, like we really talked about trying for baby but then I guess with the sometimes like in that instance I guess I had too much information because I did I felt I felt oh my god what if I can't you know yeah I have trouble again and luckily for me I didn't you know I was I was pretty lucky and we were blessed to get pregnant um not too long after and then in terms so of my pregnancy tubes right <laughs> yeah well we do and it's amazing actually uh, for anyone anyone who may ever um have an ectopic um 
and 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 you know it, it does slightly increase your risk of another ectopic and different um practitioners will give slightly varied um instances of it happening again but it's it's a slight increased risk um of it happening again but so in terms of your follow-up when you've had one ectopic you get a scan early in your next pregnancy so when I found out I was pregnant with Isaac I went and I got a scan again and um, it was very early in the pregnancy and it was great in the right spot and um and I was blessed with the pregnancy like I had no sickness no I mean I was a bit tired but I had nothing I had nothing the whole pregnancy I did Pilates until I was 38 weeks pregnant for, for anyone who knows Melbourne I walked around Albert Park every day I was just like I'm gonna walk this child out at 38 39 weeks <laughs> I, worked, I worked to 38 weeks 37.5 I think and I was like right I'll have a week off and then the baby's gonna come I'm quite an impatient you're very <laughs> Anyway, yeah he didn't he didn't comply <laughs> they don't seem to do that do they? no <laughs> ever yeah but it but it was so great like even it was so good I managed I like I was lucky enough to get onto a midwife led program yes how good um, and it was so good like oh I met the most I mean I knew some of them but I met the most beautiful girls I felt really empowered I I read enough information because I'm a nurse not a midwife so I'm a nurse in a women's hospital and I'm not I've never delivered a baby I've looked after women immediately after and whatnot but no yeah. don't know don't need to know although it's interesting yeah um so, so did you I, have the I, same midwife all the way through the pregnancy so I did and then my last appointment she was moving of course <laughs> and I I met um but there was three on the team so I got yeah. to meet all of them yeah that's how it works yeah and then she was moving and I got to meet my new midwife once and then I went into labor okay. and my midwife wasn't on call another girl was and she was amazing like not that the others weren't but actually she just ended up being exactly what I needed Perfect. like you know you, you know for anyone who's had a baby you guys know you're like oh my god I can't do this and she's like no you got this you got this and yeah. um I guess um to some degree I needed someone who was confident and firm with me not bossy but yeah she just she just she, she seemed to just have an intuition yeah, and um and it was a 10-hour labor so it wasn't that long um and and it was so good like I I how did it look did you spend time at home did you go straight to hospital no, I stayed home for a while. Um, yeah. I got, um, and I was very skeptical about a TENS machine, actually. Oh, yes. And, and saying this as a, as, as a nurse, I was like, they were like, get a TENS. And I read the book and I was like, yeah, I'll get it. I'll get it. But I was just like, yeah, I don't know that this will do much, but highly recommend. I highly recommend it. If my, lived on the my boost husband, button. if my husband didn't press the boost button, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I had it in my own hand so I was like no no I couldn't I couldn't I was been dealing enough with counting the contractions I was like <laughs> yeah the counting um, you get really into that yeah yeah I did I counted I remember I didn't with my daughter but with Isaac I with Tessa I didn't but with Isaac I it peaked at 25 seconds <laughs> and I was done at 40 but did yeah I think it's been for birthday no I never did and I actually wanted to do it with Tessa but I just we everything like all my kind of all my plans with Tessa kind of went a bit sideways because we went into yet another lockdown and oh yeah okay then I just yeah um oh, I, had I wish before. I had met you back then because I have amazing online one from the UK yeah well actually there's friends of mine do it like and I would love to have done it with them I just I don't think I had the capacity yeah to thing. do anything like I had plans I, I finished work early when I was pregnant with Tessa I finished at 30 weeks yeah to spend one-on-one -on -one time with Isaac because I didn't get that when I went back to work early um but anyway anyway I digress it didn't work out but still that was a pretty positive experience too but to finish with Isaac midwife was amazing yeah. I was awesome even though geez it was it, but it was it was so empowering it was 
it yeah. was amazing so it was natural it was, it was natural i didn't um Any drugs? i didn't i didn't um no i asked for them <laughs> i know we always do <laughs> Um, but at that point, and and I knew, as I said, I worked in the hospital. She was like, "Your your baby's like on the way now." <laughs> so, um, you know, Maria, you're not going to have time for them to come. So I was like, "All right." Anyway, lo and behold, he was there like 20 minutes. He was born 20 minutes after I asked for anything. Oh, wow. And what um, position were you in? Uh, I moved around, and actually, I lie. I did. I did have analgesia with Isaac. Um, oh, when I got to the hospital, I. No, I, I had morphine and oh, it did not help. Oh. <laughs> I did not enjoy the morphine. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, yeah, so I it didn't help. Um, and I was already like not feeling great. But yeah. um, with Isaac, I moved around a lot of positioning. What I found great was my husband, the tens, and when my husband squeezed my hips. Yes, I did that. That really, really helped. Yeah, that is amazing. <laughs> yeah, with Isaac turned the right way when he came out was he all yeah yeah he was, position i'm telling you the child was like <laughs> the whole thing was so i have such positive experience even even with the positioning like i um i ended up moving at the last minute and actually getting up on the bed mm-hmm. um and in the i i guess traditional yeah on your back the on my back at yeah. the at the very last in the stirrups mm. No, no, not in the stirrups. Oh, cool. I don't think so. Your legs um, yeah, the legs were on the bed. And that was at the very last, like the last four or five minutes. And then he was, he was, I, I was kneeling prior to that, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, but he, that was so good. And then um, I'll, I'll just going to jump on to Tessa in terms of the experiences and to compare. Tessa's whole labor from start to finish was four and a half hours. Wow. <laughs> so halved. Um, and with her, I I had nothing. I had I arrived and the midwife, again, I was lucky enough to get on the midwife program. Yeah. And um, and I hadn't met this midwife before. I'd had the same midwife the whole way through, but again, we would we were in lockdown and she wasn't on call. So they're just wasn't the capacity you know I, I I opted to have a lot of my appointments on zoom at the end just with the case numbers rising and whatnot yeah um and so oh, sorry put a background noise um and so yeah when I got to the hospital I was just like check me <laughs> she must be here <laughs> and they were like she was again wonderful wonderful like I I think I think you know I'm a nurse and I, I look after people in in a variety of different situations and I like to think that I can read a situation and it's it's an intuitive thing and I um I can honestly say that I was particularly lucky with the boat midwives I had that they were able to match what I needed mm-hmm. when I showed up there because I was vulnerable and I was I mean especially with your first you're scared yeah you don't know what to expect and I mean, you've never had pain before because prior to having a baby, I would have thought my ectopic was the worst mm. um, different and sore, but no. Um, and and, and like even, having continuity of a midwife, like having kind of one team looking after you, you kind of knew all their faces. Does that make a difference? Like with how comfortable and trusting you are of that team? Or... Um, did you feel like no it was just random and those midwives were amazing on the day like look I think it depends on the person Mm. I I think it depends how you feel in yourself around strangers about how comfortable you feel speaking up and advocating advocating for yourself yes and I think it's really important to advocate for yourself um and sometimes you don't feel comfortable and that's where a birth partner or, you know, a doula or someone that you've met prior can advocate on your behalf. Yeah. Um, but I did skip ahead with, um, with Isaac's birth. So it was all cruisy until I had a minor PPH. <laughs> so for anyone who wouldn't know, that's a postpartum hemorrhage. So I think I bled around a litre. Um, and again, as I said, I worked in that hospital, so I knew what to expect. So 
for me, looking back, it's quite funny because I was there to my husband. Now, Ronan, you need to stand up at my head. I'm okay. The baby's okay. There's going to be a met call, which is the emergency call out for assistance and whatnot. But it was all fine. And yeah. I felt fine. And it was managed. Did they give you the jab, the syntocin? Yeah, yeah. And, and it was all completely fine. Um, I just had to, st- I had, because I was on the midwife program, I had hoped to leave hospital quite quickly. Yeah. But because I'd had the bleed, I had to stay the night. And, and so that was the transfusion. No, no. Um, I like my, uh, for anyone who wouldn't know my hemoglobin, which is my blood count that did drop, mm-hmm. but because it was borderline and because I was asymptomatic, I felt fine. They didn't need to. Yeah. So I just went home with some iron tablets and I was fine. Yeah, um, And so um, with Tessa, I didn't, and I had never met the midwife, but she was exactly what I needed. And the, the point I was making, I guess, before is I feel comfortable mm. to speak up for myself. Yeah, um, that's the difference, isn't it, sometimes? Yeah, and some people don't. And that's why I often say, like when I'm when I'm nursing with a patient, I would say, you know, when you're meeting a team member or whatnot, write down your questions because they come for a short period of time. And I mean, obviously in childbirth, they're around a lot longer, but if you have questions that you have, even in your appointments, like write them down. Yeah. And there's no such thing as a silly question, in my opinion. Mm, Definitely. And that's great advice, you know? Yeah. And being prepared. I, I always say to clients, you know, if you're going to run a marathon, would you go to that marathon and with do no training? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's something you should be doing, and that's the same with childbirth. You know, we're not yeah. going into childbirth unprepared and going with the flow. <laughs> My yeah. pet like no, yeah. don't go in with going with the flow. It's that doesn't flow. <laughs> it doesn't flow, and and I mean, there's that. Um, you will be guided, and your baby will be born. That will happen. Oh, definitely. But it's about like how your experience of it afterwards I guess the more prep you do the better your ex- to not always the case sometimes things will happen that don't go to plan always um, and but you know like I mean I as I said with Isaac had such a cruisy pregnancy like I was so lucky mm. and then I I did have you know a postpartum hemorrhage which was a complication and lucky for me like we caught it quick and I managed it and I didn't require much of you know like too too much of an intervention but it's still a complication and it's a risk with childbirth and being aware of that because I worked in that hospital but I had to advocate for my husband in that Mm. in that sense because I knew a lot of people were going to come into the room and he was going to get shoved aside yeah and he would be freaked yeah and I've often gone to those emergency call outs and I see you know the patient is on the bed obviously sometimes quite unwell and then the husband is like shell-shocked or the partner or the birth partner or whoever you know is is with them and they're shell-shocked and they don't know what's happening and obviously we as the healthcare practitioners don't have time to explain in that moment yeah and so just even being prepared for the you know for the things you can't prepare for just being aware of like you know what you know what could happen but not that not that you want to focus on the negatives but yeah prep Prep is key and it's empowering. Knowledge is power. Yeah. Because the other thing is, is like you made a baby. Like that's powerful in itself. Like Mm -hmm. you made a baby, you're growing it. That's amazing. Yeah. And giving yourself the best start to your mothering by being prepared is, you know, it's amazing. But you're already doing it. Like your body is doing it. And now just to get on the same page as your body, you, you, I mean, at the end of the day, as I said, you will birth the baby one way or another, whether it's to the plan, what you want or not, the baby will come (laughs) and how you prepare for it is it can often, in my experience, be how we prepare for anything in life is how we approach it. Um, It can it can be the difference between a positive experience and a really negative one. Mm -hmm. I think I agree. That's it definitely I think and and tell me a little bit about your postpartum period because you know we all talk about these amazing six weeks and people get all this help from their family and they drop off food like did that Mm -hmm. happen for you like or like talk about Isaac first um with Isaac 
we were not in lockdown. There was no such thing as COVID. <laughs> it was 2019. January 2019. Yes. So it was okay. just after Christmas. And I mean, as I said, I have a work family. Yes. And uh, a lot of them have moved on to different jobs now, but I, I find a lot of the relationships that I fa- formed in Melbourne were were found from, from um, the community I've made in in that ward Um, and in the Irish community, which is shrinking. (laughs) But um, we were blessed. Like we had friends dropping frozen dinners off and and because because there was no lockdown or COVID, people were able to come into the home. You know, people got to hold the baby and we got to go out for walks and, you know, it was January, the weather was beautiful. Yeah. Um, So it was great. Um, But I was always mindful. I was going back to work four months postpartum so I went home with Isaac on my own when I think he was 10 weeks old I went home for three weeks for my sister's wedding so yeah so when Isaac was um three months I went back home to Ireland for my sister's wedding so it was just me and Isaac um because I can't remember why Ronan couldn't come, but I went on the plane on my own. I, I was um, you know what? It wasn't great. <laughs> First leg was not great. I I guess so it's I like wasn't fourteen really... hours. Yeah, the first leg was 14 hours and I didn't really get any help. But then to be fair, I didn't ask for help. Oh. I was kind of overwhelmed and I didn't really know what I was doing. <laughs> and the second, I mean, I was fine. I, I just wore him. I had one of those baby, um, the wrap, because he was so small. It was Grant. He loved it. He loved being up on, on me for like 14 hours. Um, but it was, it was Grant. And then the second leg was much nicer and I got more help. And then I felt more confident to ask for help. Yeah, I had a lovely trip home. It was nice. I saw lots of family. So when then, it was three months when you did that. Yeah, so I went home. The wedding was the weekend before I flew back. So I had a few weeks at home in the build up to the wedding and whatnot. It was lovely. And I actually, um, a, a girlfriend over here um, who I worked with was getting married in Clonakilty. Oh. Well, I got to go to that as well. Oh, gosh. Um, so I managed to... to, to go to the two so that was lovely and um, the baby and all well um for my friend's wedding my sister came up and minded him while I attended the wedding oh that's lovely and um for my sister's wedding my best friend from back home she came to my sister's wedding and minded the baby you know kind of come bedtime and Dream. he was in the hotel so I just went up and down as I needed to um so he was grand and I mean it it all went fine I mean I was super stressed (laughs) (laughs) um but it was fine it was fine and when I say stress I was just you know the way in the past pre having kids you can just completely like chill out whereas I'd never had a kid before so I was just like oh is he okay and yeah it was good it was good for me he was close I was able to go up and check if he's okay you know, yeah. if I needed to go up for a feed, I didn't have to worry about pumping or anything like that. It was good. And it was lovely. Like, my sister you, lives up. When you think about your postpartum period, would you do anything differently? In hindsight, it's a great thing, isn't it? <clears throat> Look, um, for Isaac, no. I don't think so. Great. I mean, I, I wouldn't choose to go back to work at four months again but like I said I knew that when we were planning to get pregnant I knew that I was I you know my husband was in university and for us that was a way for us to start our family mm. so that's you know these are things you choose you, you know it was a, a conscious decision I was aware what I was doing when I was pl- in the planning stages yeah um but it was fine like we we got through and I mean lucky for me like I I worked point eight which is four days a week or whatnot so I I was always able to spend time mm. with my baby like I I loved every minute that I was that I was with him even even leaving the middle of <laughs> when I was exhausted and he was awake for the the 15th time but I did you know 
mm. it's parenting isn't it like it's I'm, I'm with Tessa I mean what wouldn't I choose for her birth I wouldn't choose lockdown mm. um but even at that I guess I I think I'm really good at like um and it's an it's a reflection now that I can look back on and say I think I had a really good I think I'm really practical when I need to be so like in terms of like the conversation me and Ronan had in the in the build-up to having Tessa was like okay well if we get COVID, I'm, I have to go in on my own. Oh, you wow. can't come. Um, because, you know, you can't ask someone to come into a COVID-positive household to mind Isaac so that you can come to the hospital. I don't even think they were letting COVID-positive partners into the hospital. Back How then was Ronan with that conversation? Like, I'm not going to be there for my own child's birth. Um, like we were both, I would say maybe a bit emotional, the two of us. But like I said, like we're pra- like I think he's a bit practical as well. Like we, and that's the other thing with family. You know, you don't have family. Like, mm. not that you'd be there to your family. Well, you have to come in. We have COVID, but you have to come in. But you know, you might have that option of you know of someone you know around or whatnot. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, you know, we're, we're practical. Like we. I brought it up I I just said look you know I'm having my appointments on zoom this is what the hospital policy is at the minute around this mm. you know we we and like in terms of looking after Isaac as well when I went to the hospital I had like three or four backup plans because we don't have family here and he's familiar with lots of people but not not familiar enough to be with many people so I had um three sets of um people that he knew well enough that he'd be okay um but we were actually blessed because when Ronan finished university and went to work um and um a girl that we know from Isaac's daycare who happens to be Irish she actually came you know she she came and helped us out with so that I could keep doing shift work and Ronan used to leave the house at 7am so she used to come to our house at 6 15 6 30 in the morning on on the days like she you know she was so accommodating amazing um, to you know we would I would get my roster six weeks four to six weeks in advance I'd let her know she'd let me know what she couldn't do and then we'd swap it around and it just worked and um, but when I went into labor with Isaac she had been she was one of the top you know she was the top choice was that she if it was overnight she would come to our apartment um, and she knew Isaac, so if he woke up or if we weren't back in the morning, he would be with someone in his own house that he was familiar with. Mm. And so that's actually what ended up happening. Um, and I went into the hospital. She came to the house at 1 a.m. I had the baby at, geez, I'd have to look at my book now, but I think I had Tessa at 10 to 4. I sent Ronan home at 6. Isaac was awake I think he was awake about half an hour before Ronan got home and then um Ronan took Isaac to daycare and then I picked him up <laughs> oh my god you're just amazed I'm not it's not even like it sounds like such a like oh look at me I was able to pick no not. it was like I honestly I I felt well enough to do it in the first place by the way yeah but also I think the fact you know, you know, as a parent, like you just want to make everything smooth for your kids. Mm. And we didn't have family. And I was like, oh, you know, how can I, you know, he's having a new sibling now. He's going to, you know, how can I make this? And I felt well enough to do it because people are like, why did you do that? And I'm like, I wouldn't have done it if I didn't feel well enough to do it in the first point. And it's not about like, oh, everyone should pick up their kids. They shouldn't. <laughs> I, again, had a pretty positive birth experience. And by the way, our daycare is like, around the corner and it's (laughs) and I love our daycare as well it's part of why we stay in the area we do because we have such a it's such a wonder wonderful daycare Um, and it's a real community feel to it again which helps when you don't have the village yeah when you don't have the village yeah exactly when you don't have you really have though like that is one thing that's really coming through is that you have found this village and you're very clear on what you want and what you need so that's like amazing yeah and I would even say since having kids I am much better at um 
asking for what I need. Like it's it's been a journey. Cause in in the past I would have like even with my husband, he'd be like, Are you and I'm I still do this sometimes. <laughs> it drives him mad. But he's like, Are you okay? And I'm like, Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> he's like, you're clearly not. <laughs> I do that and too. Is know, that an Irish thing? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's a common thing to but like feeling the need to I'm I'm learning as I go like I've done a lot of personal development work since I've since you know since the pandemic really I've invested a lot of time in myself because after I had Isaac I I worked a lot I spent a lot of time with him I really put myself on the lowest rung of the ladder not not because of anyone else but because I felt that pressure and that need to do that Mm. And then um, started the pandemic, nurse manager in a hospital, burnt out. Yeah, of course. Like I just felt so burnt out and depleted. And since my mom had died, I had um, on and off flares of anxiety. Yeah. And it got got to a point I went to my GP and I actually ended up getting put on like a medication for like an acute event. Like, you know, it's not even... I'd not heard of it used with anxiety, but he was just like, this will help with the like the physical symptoms you're having. And it did, and it helped in the interim. And then I just was like, something has to change. And I just invested in myself. I worked, started working with a personal development coach, which led me to realizing like, I want to do, you know, I want to understand what's going on for me and my own like well-being. How can I prioritize myself? So, so naturally when you're suffering from burnout, Mm-hmm. and then uh, and then you apply to university to do a postgrad while continuing to work <laughs> with a toddler in Melbourne that's naturally what you would do <laughs> yeah it sounds very um relaxing yeah so that's what I did and then I found out I was pregnant <laughs> wow so um so that was was tough but it was I was learning Mm. a lot about like I studied a postgrad in positive psychology at the university in Melbourne so I was learning like did it take a long time or just a quick one or so it's a professional certificate so it took six months it was two semesters oh yeah it was a few years or anything no no I I had thought about doing the master's but um I did put pause to a master's you know having had a second child during a pandemic (laughs) but I then went on to actually study um, to become a parent coach. So after that, like, honestly, I mean, I love my nurse thing. Yeah. But like studying positive psychology and well-being and what's behind it and why we do the things we do and what's behind that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, I just find it lights me up. Yeah. And I really, I really found as interesting as that was, like, I was I I had to do an assignment and I was trying to do it on um <clears throat> parenting like how parenting is affected you know how parents are and it was actually to identify strengths um strengths in parenting and I found there wasn't even that many research papers that I was able to find to 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 help me with my assignment there was a lot in terms of like parents of kids with neurodiverse kids or you know with health health issues like you know mm. um, but there wasn't an awful lot for the average family and um finding strength we do fall through the cracks of it don't we <laughs> well I think as society we just you know me included like we just get on with things we don't and yeah the, and there's you know but I I think and, and I think the pandemic really pointed out like because I wasn't homeschooling. I mean, Isaac was two when the pan uh, had just turned one start of the pandemic. But the playgrounds closing didn't really affect me. Um, for people who were in Melbourne, but parents like it really, really showed the the own like the the pressure on parents. And I mean, it was even piled on even more from what like from what we saw during the pandemic. Like we parents were having to like work from home and educate from home. Um, just one sec. I'm just gonna pause this for a sec. Yeah, so that, I think that's you know the the pandemic really highlighted the pressure on parents, and I really 
was drawn to it when I was doing the the my postgrad I was just like this is so interesting I want to do more I want to highlight like the need for more well-being and having had my own experience of burnout and to be honest like a lot of it was avoidable I didn't need to put as much pressure on myself as what I did Mm. and since then I as I said I I studied the parent coaching certification and that's not like parent coaching it's not about like I'm going to be a parent coach and I'm going to teach you how to parent. That's, it's not what it is. It is, um, I'm going to help you explore things that are coming up for you in your parent. I'm not going to teach you anything. I'm just going to help you explore and you are going to find your answers to better support yourself and your child. Um, And it's, it's in doing that. It's, it's not just, for me, it's really important that it's Mm -hmm. evidence-based. I really like evidence-based information. Yeah. So it's based on the work of like some really, um, you know, really great people in their fields, like Daniel Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson and Marshall Rosenberg for nonviolent communication. You know, um, um, they're just a few to name, but like you're talking about like the nervous system, like what's going on for us? Because yeah. I don't know about you, but when my child is having a tantrum, I physically feel on fire. Oh my God, so triggered. <laughs> and in the past, I, you know, I often did not act in a way that I wanted to. Like I would get angry and often it made things worse. And so I'm not saying I never, ever do that now, but I now know what's behind that. And I have the tools to support myself mm. so that I can support my, my kids mm. in that like I have learned a lot about like the nervous system about neuroscience neuroplasticity like these sounds like big huge words but like yeah but really really interesting they have changed my life Mm -hmm. and even before I did the parent course for any Irish people on here like there's a guy in Ireland and I just find him so interesting and amazing so I'm gonna give him a shout out is like Brian Penny I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he's now um, he's now a lecturer in UCD and Trinity in neuroscience. Okay. But he um, he was a heroin addict for fifteen years. Wow. And then like changed his life. And I've read his book. I I ended up when Tessa was like three weeks old. I did a course with him um, and Daniela Moyles on Zoom. And oh. It was in the middle of the night for me, but I was like, oh my god, this stuff lights me up. It was so interesting. And just how empowered and how good it makes you feel to make changes that that help you feel good. Mm. So I don't know if I'm gone completely off topic or or and no, no, no. Not, all very but... relevant. So how do we find you on Instagram and Facebook or website? Um, so my website will launch the uh, I hope the end of the month I expect the end of the month okay um uh, I am not the most technolo- technological uh, savvy person so um so I'm learning so for anyone who's interested on Instagram I'm on at reaching for cam okay. and you will see uh, my journey of learning how to use social media if you do follow me that's good so I'm all into strengths and I'm going to say my my strength is in my uh authenticity and showing up and in six months to 12 months time you'll be got uh, hopefully anyone who does follow on will be like god look at look at how far she's come because that's what I'm telling myself I'm telling myself this is your starting point it can only get better yeah you're manifesting that I am I, I I really am and I'm also you know I'm I'm pushing myself to to through the uncomfortable because mm. I am manifesting it but I also um you know I'm I'm pushing myself in what's, the, what's that saying uh, feeling the fear and doing it anyway oh yes that's a good thing yeah There's so good... that's all awesome. I'm uh, yeah, so so that's where I'm at now. And then um, for anyone else who is, uh, I, I mean, I'm not going to talk too much about it because I haven't done anything about it, but I touched on it briefly as what we were talking about. But I think it's so interesting, the change when we become a mother, mm. matrescence. 
Um, and so I'm, you know, I think the world is, um, seems to be so much more of an interesting place since I had kids. I'm like, why didn't I study when I had no commitments? I know. <laughs> but um, it's, it's all great in hindsight, isn't it? But maybe it, we weren't ready either in Maiden. Like, so, you know, the seasons of Maiden, matriescence, or, you know, we can call it mother. And then... Yeah. The last season is um, the matriarch. So yeah. I'm really interested in like honoring the season that I'm in. Yeah. I just for me backwards, you know, because I wasn't ready back then to do this. Yeah. And someone made a comment to me recently about um it was it was a bit of a joke about how I was close to 40 and they were closer to 20. And um afterwards I was really thinking about it. And this is, I mean. This was huge for me. I was saying it to my husband last weekend. I am happier now closer to 40 than I ever was close to 20. And I couldn't have imagined that. I mean, I, I remember people saying that to me when I was in my 20s or, you know, you'll 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 grow into yourself. And yeah. I was like, all right, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the biggest insight I had is with all this investment in myself and the work I've done on myself, but, and, and for, you know, forgiving myself for not being perfect and, recognizing that I'm doing the best that I can I mean yeah. I'm not perfect and I am hard on myself sometimes but geez I like myself a lot more than I did a few years ago like I really I like who I am who I'm showing up for my kids I like that they see a mom who yeah she's busy and she's you know she's taking on a lot but she's enjoying it mm. my husband he went back to university at 33 mm. and he finished you know when he was 36 37 um, but you know like we're showing our kids you're never too old yeah you're always evolving and nothing is impossible like we're we're showing them resilience and yeah and hard work so, passion and all those things that you're amazing yeah and that's what I feel like really proud of us over here because I mean it's not to say that people back home aren't doing it they are yeah. Yeah. And, and some of them back home they may not have family support they may have as much support as we do here in terms of our friends and whatnot mm. with their families because parenting it's just hard and it's busy and you may not have the village wherever you live yeah and um, being far away from home I I guess it's that bit more closer to the front of our mind yeah but definitely it makes me see um it makes me really proud of all we've achieved over here as expats the yeah. friendships we've formed the connections we've made yeah definitely you know, I hear where you. we are in our lives and whatnot that's um, amazing yeah it's and so even cool. connecting with you has been amazing I know shall we yeah. you called your daughter after me like well <laughs> <laughs> what did I think so Maria go on <laughs> Um, no, that's good. I can, hear, I can actually hear my child screaming right now. So I'm going to wrap this up. But if there's anything else that you want to um, talk about or check out Maria's Instagram and make sure you subscribe and follow this podcast. Thanks so much, Tess. So great chatting. No worries. Um, hold on.